Well, Pat and Dara Lee, it's awesome to have you on the podcast today. Pat, you've been on before. Yep. You sat right in that chair. You were on with Lindsay from our network team talking about the differences between business and church work. So yep. if people recognize you, that's where it's from. Or or maybe, I don't know, maybe you have a modeling career I don't know about. But, nope. Okay. Happy to be back. Yeah. And Dara Lee, it's awesome to have you and have you both share your story. You have an amazing story, and I want to jump right in because I don't want to miss any of it, but really amazing story about how God has used you both. It's interesting how your stories are very similar, yet you didn't know each other at the time. You're now married uh, and have um, children, and we can talk about that. But really, a theme of redemption and Mm -hmm. forgiveness and so many things, and we've talked about this before. We've had this with our young adults um, chatted, but I said, let's talk about this again. Let's do it on the podcast, and I believe it's super powerful. And I also think there's a lot of pastors and church leaders that maybe find people like you from a while back and wonder, how can I minister to people in the way that they need to be ministered to? And now both of you are now pastoring in NextGen and as associate campus pastor. So it's awesome to just see it full circle. But maybe if we go back to the beginning, I don't want to tell your story for you, but maybe Dara Lee, if you want to start kind of where you found yourself and you know what I'm alluding to, but where you found yourself and then Pat, you can jump in about how your stories are so similar, but then how they kind of align together. Sure. Yeah. So starting from... Yeah, you're, Finding a, you're, Jesus. A, you're a teenager yeah. and something happens in your life that was unexpected, right? Yes. So, yes, I grew up with a single parent, a uh, single dad. And so I didn't grow up with mom. Um, and that led to a lot of things in my high school years, just looking for um, love and acceptance that my dad wasn't able to give me, um, just being a single dad and busy and um, ended up finding myself in a position that was pretty vulnerable at age 18. I had my whole life ahead of me. I was going to be a hairstylist to the celebrities in LA. That was my dream. I was going to go to Aveda and do all that. And instead, in August of my high school senior year, um, I found out I was pregnant. And so that led to a pivotal moment in my life where I had to decide, am I going to end this pregnancy, which a lot of people were pressuring me at the time to do. I didn't really have one person that was in my corner telling me, just keep the baby. Um, and I decided to, to keep the baby and choose this like harder life. And, um, it led to a lot of different things. I met Pat after that, but yeah, so this, it was a different boyfriend that you were with. And so he wasn't in the picture after the baby was born or. Yeah. I gave him a year. I said, you have a year to prove that you're going to be the dad that she deserves. And if you're not, then you gotta, you gotta go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and a lot of things led up to the decision to ultimately say, you can't be involved in our life unless you're going to change. Um, and I had sworn off dating at that point. I was like, I'm not going to date. I'm just going to be the best mom that I can be I'm going to be the mom I never had to my daughter. And then Pat showed up on the scene. (laughs) Classic. um, It's been awesome, though, because Lexi, my daughter, has never felt the gap of not having a dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, right away she attached to Patrick and loved Patrick from even the first time she met him, which Mm -hmm. was really interesting for us because we weren't anticipating that. Um, But he's just been there for her whole life. She's never really felt the gap of not having a dad around. And God, it's before we even knew God, he had put us together and protected us in that way, which is really cool. I look back on my life historically and I see God's handprints all over it before Mm -hmm. I even knew he was real 
that there was a God who loved me, that had a story for me, um, a new life to step into, he was all over it. And looking back at it, it's just wild to look at my story and see his fingerprints on it when I didn't even know that he was there. It's incredible. And the the crazy irony of you guys coming together is you have a similar story, Pat. Yep. Talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was raised by a single mom and she always kind of struggled with substance abuse. And so similar to Dara Lee, through my high school years, just chasing acceptance, love, attention, uh, wherever I could. And, and that also, uh, you know, I met a girl and we ended up, she ended up getting pregnant as well. And Were you in high school at the time? I was uh, just graduated, so I was 20. And um, I think I was 19, 20, yeah, 20. And yeah, and so she got pregnant and very similar situation of, um, we obviously had the baby and and then we separated short shortly after and and I was on this journey as, you know, trying to figure out life as being a super young, yeah, young dad. And and then Daryl and I met at the great the great neighborhood grill of of uh, Applebee's. Applebee's. So, <laughs> like how all great love stories. <laughs> so how how long had it been since you had both respectfully had your your kids in from when you had met? Yeah. So Lexi was one and a half. Andrea was three months old. So she or. Somewhere six around months. six months. Yeah. I always say three months, and he's like, Tara, six months. Yeah. Um, so they were very young. Yeah. And we were just like two young adults. All of our friends are in college doing all this. And we meet each other, and we're like, we are in the same scenario. Like nobody else I know can relate to the position I'm in right now. Um, and I had no support, really. Uh, it was kind of me on my own. And then same for him. So when we met, it was just initially just a friendship of – whoa, you get it, and I don't have to try to even explain it because you're, you're living exactly what I'm living. Yeah, I would say, yeah, it was almost like, a, hey, we're we're both trying to survive and figure this out, and and we had enough. We were so different, but our story, like, personally, we're so different, but our stories just immediately tied us together, and we're like, well, let's let's uh, try to make this make this a run and see if see what the world has to offer. So well, it's, it's so obvious to those listening and obviously you guys felt it at that time and years ago, but to say, okay, I had a single dad, I had a single mom, you know, I want to be the, the dad. I didn't have the mom. I didn't have coming into this situation that you didn't expect to find yourself in. I think it, you know, going full circle now again, both of you serving in ministry and we'll kind of go back and forth throughout mm-hmm. this conversation, but re- realizing that there are people in our churches, in our communities that they're looking for somebody that can understand them, mm-hmm. right? And for you, even though you didn't know Christ at the time, you found somebody that, oh my goodness, you're in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Talk about how that then led you to finding Christ and how your connection point, again, we'll, we'll get to you going into ministry and those types of things. Mm-hmm. But again, you're there, you're vulnerable, you're probably afraid, but you're also, again, after having some boneless wings, you're going, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is something's happening here. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, us even trying to do this co-parenting thing, um, his daughter's mom has been involved her whole life. And so trying to manage what that looks like, it's, it's hard. It's not an easy journey to try to co-parent with people. And, um, we had, we were under high stress. I mean, financial, we'd given up everything that we wanted to do with our lives to, to raise our kids in stability and, it was worth it for sure, but we were working opposite schedules so we didn't have to pay for daycare and all these other things. And we just were lacking a sense of peace in our life. And we were invited to a friend's 
daughter's baptism at a Lutheran church. And I didn't grow up in the church at all, so I only had been familiar with Catholic church. Um, that's My dad was raised Catholic and all of that, but um, we went to this Lutheran church, and the pastor there, or priest, I don't know, he was there, and he was funny. And I was like, wait, they can be funny? Like, I had no idea. I just pictured, like, an old priest. That's right. my what I knew of church. And we left that baptism, infant baptism, which is funny. It's just God is funny that way. Um, left going, I think that's what we're missing in our life. Like, we can do all of this, but we still don't have peace. And so we looked up the latest service time in Shakopee. <laughs> and it was like 11 a.m. service. And we ended up going to Friendship Church in Shakopee um, and went through their Alpha program. And I went in a skeptic, hard, like, prove to me that this is all real. I mean, I sat with arms crossed, like, prove it. And Do you think some of that was just, like, the pain you've gone through to where you're, like, because you, you said you felt like, hey, this made what I'm missing. But then mm -hmm. you start going in and your heart is still a little hard. Yeah, I think... I think that is partially how I'm raised. My dad's a skeptic of everybody. And so I grew up in that kind of skeptic mentality. And so I went in and I think, I mean, the first time we went to that church, when I left, I was in tears and said, I'll never go back. I mean, people were raising their hands. There oh was like my. two people raising their hands. <laughs> and it was scary for me, but I, it was, I think it was scary because yeah. I think it required me to be vulnerable. And my whole life, I tried to protect myself from vulnerability. Yeah. And I've had to be strong and I've had to kind of do things on my own and letting people in was terrifying for me. And so I think God was chipping some of that down through Friendship Church and Alpha. And by the end of it, we had given our lives to the Lord, stood and gave our lives to the Lord and were baptized. And then shortly after that, we came to River Valley, but that was a crazy journey. Yeah. Pat, as you're going through this, at, at this point, were you, were you married? Were you dating? What, what was the your living situation, like obviously you talk about the financial stress and, and that, mm -hmm. but was marriage, I mean, was marriage a thing you did? Was it, or were you dating at the time? Yeah, we were, I mean, we, we were dating. Uh, then we were engaged. We had a long, we dated for a long time. Uh, one thing obviously with, with finances and just trying to figure it out. And this is before Jesus. And then uh, when we gave our lives to the Lord, I mean, we were counseled very well, uh, pastored very well to say, hey, nope, you guys got to, Get engaged, and so we got engaged. Uh, it was two years, mm -hmm. long engagement, um, and then we navigated that, and then got married shortly thereafter. So, yeah. What well, the reason I ask that? I think there's there's many people that are listening that struggle to walk with people through what they're walking through, and mm -hmm. and I'm I'm why I love talking about your story is because there's so many examples of people right now today that are where you were at several years ago. Yep. And in our church, people that we're having conversations with that find themselves there, maybe not the exact same situation, mm -hmm. but looking at the byproduct, if, if nothing else from this conversation, from what people are listening about, to look and say, look at what God can do. Yeah. But also looking at people in a way that isn't, oh my goodness, like I got it, looking at their circumstance today, but looking at what they can be in the future. And again, mm -hmm. both of you... From what I understand, ministry wasn't something that was on either nope. of your minds. <laughs> but talk about that as you're as you're in marriage, as you're now accepting the Lord. You, you know, coming to River Valley, you're serving. Mm -hmm. I remember that that both of you were just serving, and again, even recently, now being on staff for both of you. But Darley, maybe you want to talk about what was that first nudge to say, 
okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to start pursuing something like this and actually serving and maybe joining the team at the church versus mm-hmm. just being a part. Yeah. Yeah. I think as I think about that, the first thing I think of is I had never in my entire life been called a leader. Mm. And I remember Hannah Bechtel mm. saying, you're a leader. You have leadership in you. Would you consider serving on this serve team as a leader? You know, then yeah. I had never thought of myself as a leader. I never thought I'd be worthy of being called a leader. Knowing our situation and our circumstance, I thought I was pushed over here because of that. So to come to a church like River Valley that says, no, you have leadership potential in you and we want to help cultivate that was mind blowing to me. And they built so much confidence in me to step into even just serving at a church and feeling worthy to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very restorative for me, for Pat, um, to be able to say yes to that. as far as calling into ministry, it actually was started in me through a global team, which plug global teams. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. Every single part of my plug journey. Alpha, plug yeah. Yeah, alpha, yeah, I mean, our discipleship works, yeah. I guess. Um, no, a global team. I went to Spain with Pastor Chris Bechtel at the time. I remember the first time I got, the first night I got there, feeling overwhelmed, like, you shouldn't be here. Like, you're not worthy to be here. You, you bring nothing to the table. These are the thoughts that are coming through my mind. And I left Spain with just a greater love for God and greater belief in myself. And that started, I was working at a salon at the time, this like feeling of like, there's more to life than this. There's more to life than just doing hair. Mm-hmm. Like God has more for you. And then I went to India. I was like, Spain was so easy. It was like being in Minneapolis. I'm going to go to India. (laughs) And India changed my life. Um, I was broken down spiritually, emotionally, physically, even in India. And I remember wrestling before even going. I had to wrestle with myself to the point to reconcile that I'm going to die. I literally thought I was going to die in India. And I was like, I have to get to the point where I'm okay. Pat remembers. I was like kind of crazy thinking like, okay, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back and I'm okay with it because this is where God's leading me. And I went and I came back and it was after I got back, the Lord's like, you did die in India. You died to yourself mm-hmm. and I have more for you. And then I went to Cairo, Egypt. The Lord just put on my heart, you need to talk to the missionary hosting us. And I said, okay, I'm going to talk to him. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. But as I sat down, he said, have you ever considered being a pastor? And he starts speaking all these things over me that I had already heard from the Spirit but didn't believe. Because I was like, well, maybe that was my thought. But he confirmed and affirmed all the things Holy Spirit was telling me all along the way. And once I got home from Cairo, I said, okay, I'm going to get serious about this and start credentialing and pursuing all the coursework for that. And um, I still didn't leave the salon. That's another journey. Um, but yeah, I don't know where, if you want me to keep going with that, but no, I think, I think it's helpful to know that, I mean, you look at the global teams and getting that new perspective, getting that shift. I think one of the things, you know, for those listening who maybe are, what's a global team, it's what, you know, we call it global teams, but they're really mission trips, but, but some of our mission trips, some of them are experiences. Sometimes it's just to go pray. Sometimes it's to learn about a culture. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't, we don't feel like I think there's a, a misconception around, oh, like we're going on a mission trip to go right. and change this country in a week. Right. <laughs> right. We've just not subscribed to that 
reality that there are people that are living there that are part of the church. There's people that are, are workers that are there that are out consistent, you know, that are, are helping to change a nation. We're just mm-hmm. a small glimpse to help support, bring prayer, bring uh, maybe some supplies over, some peanut butter or whatever yeah. it right. is. But, but more so we feel that it's a moment where people hear from the Lord mm-hmm. because they get out of the distractions of life, right? Yes. Pat, when you think about moments that have shaped you into, you know, we talked a little bit about your journey before um, on on the other episode about going from ministry to business. Yep. But when you think about even the the change in your lives that you were seeing as, as Daryl Lee's going on these global teams, she's you're saying goodbye to her like you're never going to see her again. <laughs> um, she's going to places that some people would never want to go, but saying yes. What is the transformation? Like, what is God speaking mm-hmm. to you in this time? Not specifically even about ministry, but just your life is changing. You yeah. went from oh, yeah. you went from both being essentially teenage parents, right, mm-hmm. to now traveling the world, going on global teams, following after God who you never had a relationship with, right? Yeah, right. yeah, it's um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Whenever we reflect back, it's it's pretty powerful. Just God's goodness. Um, I mean, when she was, I always say I was in the marketplace working so she could go on global teams. That was kind of my, <laughs> I was like, you know, making sure that she could always be going once a year. But there was a, there was a conversation I had. It was actually, I remember it so clear uh, at one of our campuses where I was at the coffee getting, getting that morning brew. And one of the gals, she goes, where's, you know, where's your wife? And I said, oh, she's, she's in India or Cairo or one of the places, um, Aswatini, you know, wherever she was. And the lady goes, man, it's, it's so nice. It's so great that you, you let your wife go on these global teams. And I was like, let, let my wife. She's like, yeah. She goes, oh yeah, it's just so nice. And I, that like just kind of pierced my heart. Cause I'm like, I wouldn't, I never want to stand in the way of God's call on, on my wife. Right. And, and in the same way, like, I think she's just, like, we just want to be each other's cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be, you know, make sure that we're pressing forward. And, and so, this journey has been, it's been mutually, individually on a journey, mm-hmm. supporting each other. But then, you know, all throughout our story, it's just the power of community, the power of great pastors, great ministry leaders, great volunteers who just love the Lord, just mm-hmm. just saying, hey, th- you know, there's better in you. There's more in you. Um, I see it in you. You don't see it. Mm-hmm. And just the power of, of just those gentle, those gentle nudges, yeah. um, you know, People never, I don't think, I, I never felt like, well, maybe a few people, but most people didn't look at us like, oh man, look at this train wreck. Like, Mm-mm. I mean, maybe they were there, but those those were never the loudest voices in our hearts, in the room. It was Mm-mm. the people that were just like, hey, let's, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's yeah. go on this journey. And it was, it's been so fun to just... Because now, like, I, we have a, a passion for blended families. Yeah. We have a passion for um, single parents, single parents that are in church that uh, are trying to, you know, hey, do I fit in here? You know, mm-hmm. is, this a, is this a place, like, where I can be accepted? And mm-hmm. I just, I love, I mean, I love being able to connect with people, you know, in the lobby. And they're, people, especially blended families, they're just, they're, like, afraid to release that. Yeah. They're afraid to talk about it. Like people will walk up and be like, hey, I'm a drug addict. Like, oh, all right, let's have a conversation. But the blended family piece is something that is so sensitive to some people. Yeah. So when they find out you're both pastors on staff mm-hmm. and you're loved by your church, you're supported, mm-hmm. and 
and you're and now you're you're in your seat cheering us on. It's just it's it's a moment we, that I love. Don't you think some of that comes from the idea of no one knows how you got there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, true. Are you were you a Christian family, and you know both of you couldn't settle your dis- differences, and then you got divorced, and you're. Uh, kind of upset at yourself for doing it, or you know, maybe maybe some blended families, a spouse dies, and it's like, oh, that's that's totally fine biblically. And then there's other people that are in your situation that you're like, we didn't even know what who God was. So right. I think part of that with with when it comes to ministering to blended families mm-hmm. or even having conversations, speaking from experience, there's a lot of unknowns, and I mm-hmm. think people in the midst of that, on one side, struggle. Mm-hmm. To how do I how do I respond to this right? Because mm-hmm. in some in some set settings, and again, it's not always right, but I'm I'm trying to articulate the accuracy of what people feel, even though it may not be right or wrong. Right. But to where someone goes, well, I don't know. Like, are are you are you unrepentant of your sin? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, God, God hates divorce. Well, can he forgive it? Right. Right. Yeah. Oh well, well, God, God hates you know having uh, sex outside of marriage. Can he forgive it, right? And I think those things are things that are struggle to reconcile, mm-hmm. even for people in ministry, oh, yeah. but yeah. especially for those that don't have that experience yeah. to where you can say, yes, he can, because right. he forgave us, and we've now been equipped. And again, there's a lot of theological things you can unpack about it, but I think yeah. the key to it all is this repentance, turning from, changing yeah. yes. your life, why Absolutely. I want your story to be shared. Yeah. But can you talk to two groups of people? Firstly, Maybe for those that are listening, that they're not a part of a blended family. Maybe mm-hmm. they weren't a part of that. They've never been a part of that. Which praise God, but they don't. They don't know how to maybe interact. Like mm-hmm. they're they're struggling with that. Yeah. And then the other side, maybe speak to people who are coming out of that, just like you, that feel ill-equipped to to go into the full calling of what God has because they feel disqualified, maybe because mm-hmm. of some of the things that have happened in their past. Yeah. I think I I constantly go back to our experience to remind myself where I came from whenever I'm interacting with people to to soften. I'm a very black and white person. Um, anybody that's met me will know that. I kind of speak truth. Because I love people, I'm going to speak truth. And we had that when we came to River Valley. We had people that loved us. Um, that when we are feeling shameful, encourage us in the right ways, but also we're never afraid to tell tell yeah. us truth. Um, mentors that would sit me down and go, you're going to be mad at me when I tell you this, but I love you too much, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you anyway. And I'm so thankful that people didn't restrain the truth when I was in process, um, but they also let me wrestle. And that's one thing that I would encourage um, pastors, and I would encourage anybody that's coming into the church God can handle your wrestling. There was so much in in the beginning of my journey that I wrestled with, and I had to grapple with my old life, and how do I live this out? And this is what the Bible says, and I don't know if I agree with that. And really just wrestling through things, even my calling to ministry, I had to wrestle through some stuff. But I'm so thankful I had pastors that were like, yeah, that's okay. And they weren't fighting with me, but they were encouraging me, wrestle well you will come out on the other side of this with the truth that God wants you to know and discover so long as you're wrestling with him and you're bringing it to him. And so I don't. I personally in the lobby, I'm looking for fringe people. When I see a young mom who's by herself, I'm going directly to her to make sure she knows she is seen and valued. And for, for anybody that is in the church, the congregation, pastor, staff, 
um, that aren't aware of blended family dynamics or don't understand them, I think it's no different than anybody else that's walking through our doors. Mm -hmm. People just want to be met with, can I come here and Mm -hmm. discover who I am in Christ? And there's a right time to present hard truths, but we need the discernment to know when is the right time. And people, you're going to look for that submitted heart. Like for me and Pat, we knew we had to grow. There was so many things in our lives. And I think the pastors in our lives knew when we were ready to hear what we needed to hear based on the submission level we were at. Yeah, you just touched a good point because when when I was young, I mean, I didn't have a dad. And so one of the first things I looked for when, when we got in church was mentors. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Who can mentor me? Who can Who can give me some some direction and guidance. And yeah, and it's, there needs to be, I think for people on this journey, you need to be willing to find people you care about, people that you look up to. They don't need to be perfect. None of us are perfect. I mean, the mentors that I had, I I knew that they had flaws, but I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I, I, like, I like the way that you are, you know, you're raising your kids. Teach me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love the way that you serve. You know, can we just get coffee and have a conversation? You know, it wasn't a, hey, here, fill out this formal mentor contract and like, you know, let's let's have a relation. But it was a great, it was just a great way. And then I had to be in a position to receive mm-hmm. their feedback. Um, I mean, we both have a lot of hurts growing up and a lot of, you know, being vulnerable was a difficulty. But I learned like yeah. there's so much, as a guy, there's so much breakthrough on the other side of vulnerability. Like mm-hmm. when I was able to be like, now I would say I'm probably an overshare, which is dangerous. <laughs> but it's like when you get on the other side of vulnerability, especially with people that you care about and trust, and and then it's and and then they they know how delicate that is, and mm-hmm. then they're able to say, "Hey, let me speak to that." And being able to receive that, I think, is yeah. uh, is something that we both, I think, we both did pretty well. Yeah, and I I just add, create a safe place for people to just truly process where they're at, like. Allow yourself to be a place where people can take the mask off, where they don't have to hide or pretend to be somebody they're not. I mean, our pastor saw us on our very worst days, I would say. And church was never somewhere where we ran from in our weakness. It was when we're weak, we're going to the church because we got nothing else. And if we can create an environment like that in our churches, watch people flock here. Like, I just, I have a heart for that because, yeah, when you when you come up from a trauma background, I, there was so much trauma in his life, in my life. I had to work through that, and it's a journey mm-hmm. to get to the other side of, like, full healing and trusting people again. So people that are walking in from a blended family, you have no idea what they've walked through, and that's true for anybody, right? But... There's triggers when it comes to trauma that, like, you can say something and it triggers something and people react out of that. And so being a pastor or a person that's walking with people and discipling people is to know, like, where are they at in their journey spiritually and are they healed or unhealed? And freedom's another great core group for that. Um, I walked through freedom, but there's so much um, that we just have to be wise when we talk to people and and listen and observe people more than we talk, I think. Right. When I listen and observe people, I see a ton. I can see wounds. I can see, oh, we're not going to talk about that. Body shifting a little bit. You know, they're getting nervous, things like that. Um, but creating a safe place, I would say, is huge. When you talked about some of the mentors you sat down with and pastors, and I love what you said is 
they kind of gave you the the prequel to it to, hey, you might be mad about this. And I do think that there are times that whether it be in sermons, whether it be in conversations, you talk about this this congruence of boldness that you have, but also love for people that are in these situations. I think that's honestly probably the biggest stress most pastors and Christians have today is I want to be bold and stand up because there are not enough people doing that, which Mm -hmm. means our culture is shifting in a way that is leading us down a path that is not leading to flourishing. But then on the other side, I don't want to alienate people through my boldness that makes Mm -hmm. them think that I hate them. And again, it's that, that tension you're in, but I do think some of it is calling out what is true. Mm-hmm. Hey, you, the reason why I know you might be mad about this is because it's understandable right. that you would be mad because mm-hmm. I was mad about it too or I was frustrated about it too. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes when we do that, it's almost you're almost going to the end and letting them start from there. Like, hey, and, and you don't need to do it every time. Like, hey, I know you might be mad about this, but we need to meet right now. Mm-hmm. I know you need. To, I know you might be mad about this, but you got to be there tomorrow. It's like, no, you don't need to do it every time. But yeah. I do think there's something truth about calling calling it out for what it is. Hey, hey, I I noticed. Are, are you a blended family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk. To, how has that been for you? Mm-hmm. That's your reality. If mm-hmm. somebody asks you that question, if a pastor asks you that question in a genuine heart, right. you're gonna be like, I can't believe he asked me that. Right. No, he he notices we're not wearing rings or you right. know whatever it is. Or hey, you, you, like talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. I heard this. I think that sometimes people are afraid to bring up the obvious. To whereas right. for you, you're saying I'm living in this every <laughs> single day. Yeah. Again, there's a way to do it in a shameful way. There's a way yeah. to point a finger and say, like, those people or, you know, them in our church or whatever it is. But I do see that in your story, you're open and talking about it. But also, it's like, no, now I'm going after those people. Now I'm yeah. I'm seeking them out and saying, no, there's a way for me. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of close this conversation today, of course, just a small part in your story. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you could just share one more encouragement to someone who's maybe – I would say they're on the fence about that in that tension, right? They're in the tension of, am I being too bold, this person? But sometimes some of the truth is what got to you. But then on the other side, it's it was some of the grace. How have you both walked in that as you're now pastoring on our mm-hmm. team with younger students, with people that come in that are brand new? What are the ways that you feel like you're bouncing? None of us are perfect at it. I'm not asking for you to be, of course, but how have you tried to live in that tension of speaking the truth, doing it in love, showing people that you care, but also showing people that you care, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think for me, um, you know, whenever I do, you know, pastoral meetings or, or sit downs and conversations, I, I, I don't necessarily leave with like, oh, this is my story. I, I think hopefully, I mean, one thing that I think carries that hopefully carries out or comes out of us is authenticity. Um, and, and so usually when I sit down with people, I think it does give me eyes to see like, oh, okay, he's, he's being 10% true right. uh, or 10% honest. And so I usually will, I'll usually have the conversation. I'll slow down and I'll say, Hey, um, I can, I can only meet you to as to wherever you let me in. And if, if you're not going to be authentically you, if you're not going to, uh, you know, communicate where you're honestly at, like, that's fine. We can just go to where you want to, to that space. But, you know, I'm here, I'm here to, to actually hopefully get you on a track. You know, we can have conversations. We can, you know, I want to be as best, uh, you know, as, as most, as offer as much help as I possibly can, but I can't do it if, if you're not, you know, you're not being who you really are. Mm -hmm. Um, 
sometimes I'll go into I'll go into my story or I'll you know talk a little bit about you know what I've been through. But for me, I don't do really good with small talk. I've not, I've it's just not my strength. Um, in even in the lobby, like I I try. I think you're a master compared to me. Well, <laughs> but it's more of like we don't have time. Like like knowing what 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 Christ has done in us, the transformation that we've had, the journey that we've been on knowing the pain that comes in, in through our doors and, and the, the people that are hurting, um, knowing that they're just looking for what we found. Right. I'm like, we don't have, I don't have time to, to like, man, those Vikings lost again. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's like, I want to, I want to get right to the point. And so I usually, I mean, just like Daryl she usually seeks out, you know, the, the fringe people at the same, I look for like the toughest guy in the room who's by himself and, and I make it pretty awkward just saying, just saying hi. Well, I, I love what you said about not starting with your story because I think there's so many people who feel that that's, that's the way to relate to people is by trying to find the piece of your story that you relate to. I actually think what's maybe more powerful, and you kind of alluded to it there, is using the parts of your story to help minister to them better yeah. rather than sharing your story yeah. to try to relate to people. Yeah. Yep. Because ultimately, we're trying to help minister to them. And I think sometimes we share this full circle moment and they're thinking, okay, I'm in the middle of this. Like, thank yeah. you. You know, it's like somebody like, hey, my, my you know, I'm, I just got diagnosed with cancer. Well, I had cancer and, and I'm cancer free and I've been cancer free right. and I started doing this and I took this diet. And it's like, but you just missed the moment yeah. until exactly. that yep. I just told you, right? Yeah. So I think sometimes we jump there mm-hmm. and say, well, let me tell you how I remember exactly where you're at. And you do this. And, and we, we were engaged for a while and it took a while. And But but trust me, if I were you, I'd, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my goodness, you totally missed me in that because you yes, just made it about exactly. you. So I love that you shared that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think just especially in next-gen ministry working with, I did youth ministry for seven years as a youth leader. Um we had lots. I I was a leader over the senior high girls, so we had lots of very real conversations. Um, I think as a pastor, you have the greatest source of wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and I think we can't neglect prayer in discipleship. Um, I can look back at my story now and go, I know for a fact every single person that met with me, before they met with me, they were praying because they knew things they shouldn't <laughs> have known. And they they hit the nail on the head on, you know, addressing things in my life and speaking in such a gracious but honest and truthful way. And so for me, that's something that I try to take hold of every time I'm meeting with somebody and I know the conversation could be a more difficult one. I'm asking Holy Spirit, I don't want to say anything that's not going to be fruitful in this that's conversation. Good. Would you just help me? Guide me, mm-hmm. give me the exact words that this person needs and help me to see what I can't see because my humanness can see things on the surface, but spirit spe- sees the heart and knows what the real issue is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always praying before I go into those conversations. And it's amazing to see what God can do when you just give it to him first. And very, I mean, it doesn't always go the way you want either. In ministry, I've seen youth leaders walk away. I've seen students walk away. And I think one thing pastors could maybe free themselves of is we do our part, but the other person's got to do theirs. And, you know, Pat and I could have left the church offended many times, Hmm. but we committed to the Lord, not necessarily people. Like we were committed to being a part of this journey in the church and opening ourselves up. And I've always said, if I'm going to share 
my story, if it sets one other person free, I'm going to share it because they're worth it and God knows they're worth it. And um, I look for people that I can pour into and encourage and invest in because that's what people have done for me. But you cannot neglect the power of the Holy Spirit leading you as you pastor and develop um, conversations with people, especially on those harder topics. And so I would encourage every single pastor to remember Mm. power of prayer, even two-minute breath prayer before you get out of your car and go into Starbucks. I mean, I had that happen just the other day. Um, didn't feel equipped for a conversation, and Holy Spirit just led the way. And he'll He'll prepare the other person, too. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm like, who am I, Lord? Right. Who am I that you're using me? I was a single mom, uh, pregnant at 18. I would be nothing without you. Nothing. So... Every moment of my life, I've given to you, and I'm trusting you to use it. And it takes all the pressure off me, honestly, because I know in my own human nature, I'm going to fail every single time. But when I've got God in my corner, what can't I do? You know, and it does, it releases the pressure off of me to be the perfect pastor, perfect minister. Mm -hmm. None of us are perfect, but people are worth the hard conversations. And I think of discipleship as a lot like parenting. I love my daughter's but I love them enough to tell them the truth. And I think biblical literacy is another thing, always pointing people back to scripture. Mm -hmm. There's been real conversations with youth leaders where they're struggling with a concept in scripture and scripture defines it as sin, and they don't want to hear from me about it. So I said, hey, I want you to go to the index of the Bible, look up that word, and go read every verse associated with that word. Once you've done that, come back to me and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So I'm there to process with them, but I'm not telling them how to think. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching them where to go. Right. And I think that's something we can't miss in discipleship as well. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, if if we just try to convince them of it, then someone else will convince them out of it. Exactly. It's the famous phrase, but it's yep. true. Mm-hmm. It's, we're not here to... To con- just to convince them of what we believe is true. We're here to show them that they could have a relationship with Jesus. Right. And I love how your stories mm-hmm. embody that. And for pastors and church leaders that are listening, realizing that there are people like you, maybe not yet in their congregations or they're in, your, in their congregations or they're just starting on the journey, or maybe there's people that can identify with your story that say, hey, yeah. I'm in a similar situation. Maybe they're they're in a pregnancy they didn't expect, or maybe they're they're in a relationship they didn't expect, or the starting of a journey of being open to God. I'm I'm hopeful that people listening can figure out what is God speaking to me in, in your story and that I believe that there's more than one person that is impacted by it. And just thank you again for sharing this and, and the blessing that you've been in being authentic and helping people just discover more of what God has for them. So yeah. thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Appreciate it.